Welcome to a very special edition of the Grizzden Podcast. This is our third, maybe fourth annual Denny's. I'm just going to go ahead and say fourth. Because uh, we started the pod in 2019, right? So this is 20, 21, 22. Yep. Fourth annual Denny Awards. Brantley Davidson's in the house. That's me. What's up? John Kraft, how you doing? Doing well. And when he retires, they're going to say he changed the game. It's Ty Smith. <laughs> How you doing, Ty? Don't say that about me. <laughs> Don't know if y'all saw the Carl Anthony Towns clips making the rounds. Anyway. Uh, all right. So Actually, be- I did not. Yeah. Can you catch me up? Well, he was yes. on the Pat Bev pod like last night or two days ago, and he said that when he retires, people are going to say that he changed the game. Pat Bev. No, no, no. Cat said Kat that about said himself. That about himself. Yeah. He also said Pat it's, said this on the Pat Beth pod. Yeah, and he also said that this it's is great. more impressive what the Timberwolves did in the play-in mm, mm. than it is what the Nuggets just did by winning the championship. Mm, like mm. I thought it was just clickbait, and then I watched the clip, and it's not. So does this hurt or help his trade through. value? <laughs> Listen, uh, Beal for Cat, straight up. I mean, Brandon Clark for Cat. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Stephen Adams for Cat. Whoa. Sorry, I'm just no thanks. I'm kidding. Um, in hot. All right, before we jump into the Denny's, we do have the final tally on our preseason future bets. Oh. So we're going to run through these. Uh, our percentage, our hit percentage was low overall. <laughs> do you have how much money we lost? Uh, well, here's here's what I'll do. I'll run through all four. What's the, what's the four. aggregate total? Um, we each risked $1,000 across 10 bets if you didn't listen to this episode it happened back in october um and so we basically tried to predict the future through uh 10 bets and brantley you had one that hit which is jaron jackson to lead the league in blocks per game and the grizzlies to win the division you parlayed that uh you only risked 40 dollars out of the a thousand though and it was a plus 800 bet so in total your payout was 360 dollars um, so you had lost 640. Ty, you had 10 bets as well. One of those was for Denver to win the West. Let's go, At baby. plus 850, you put $100 on that. And so in total, your payout was $950. You only lost 50. Um, okay, defending champ, uh, yours truly, not to brag, uh, hit on, on five different bets. Mine were a little bit more conservative overall, but... So I had Grizzlies under four and a half for their uh, playoff seed. They were the two seed. So that hit L.A. Lakers to make the play-in. That was minus 105. Bulls under 41 and a half. That was plus 105. Grizzlies to win between 49 and 52 games. That was plus 230. The kicker, Joel Embiid, took home the MVP award. That was plus 650. I put 100 on each one of those. So my total payout was $1,685.24. John Kraft, you hit on two bets. One of them was medium size. One of them was very big. The Kings to make the playoffs, plus 450. You put $50 on that. In total, you won $275 on that bet. You also hit on Malcolm Brogdon, sixth man of the year, at 11 to 1. You risked $100 on that. So you won $1,200. Added together, $1,475, which is a bit under 200, less than yours truly, (laughs) two-time 
future bet winner. Guys, that's all I'm saying. When October rolls around, you better listen to me because I'm going to make you money. Back to back. Just had to share that. If if you just listened to all of us and combined everything (laughs) together... You yeah. still would have come out positive? You Well, I mean, when you don't count all of the, the other, you know, eight or nine that we all seem to almost miss. Um, no, but that was a really fun deal. I was looking for uh, our over-unders to try to, like, consolidate it into a five-minute portion. Needless to say, we bo- we all hit on, had some major hits, and we all had some major L's. Okay, so, uh, but overall, as a group, I would say... From an over-under standpoint, we had our finger on the pulse, generally speaking. So I'll give ourselves a pat on the back for that. And I and I actually think the heat under shouldn't count because of what they did in the playoffs. Like, we saw it, but I don't know what they were doing. 100% agree. Season. Couldn't agree more. And I had them uh, three seed. So, uh, yeah. Um, okay. Let's get into the Denny's. Uh, if, you, if this is your first Denny's episode, what we're going to do is we have different categories And we're talking about the entire Grizzly season. This is how we wrap everything up into a bow. uh, And we're going to essentially introduce the category. We're each going to take a turn introducing a category. And then we're going to introduce our nominees. We're going to have a debate. And then we're going to try to come to a consensus on which one we want to give the award to. If we're split, uh, then we have to, you know, figure it out. Okay? We have to collaborate. That's what we're here to do. So... We are going to start, as we do every year, with the category of the best deal slash pick. And I will introduce the nominees. Remember, we go back to last year's draft. That's what we consider to be the very beginning of the window for this award. And so, uh, the first nominee is going to be a little bit debatable, but it's trading DeAnthony Melton to the 76ers for Danny Green and the pick that ended up being David Roddy. Uh, The second nominee is signing Kenny Lofton Jr. as an undrafted free agent, and we later converted him to a a real-life contract on the main roster. Uh, The third nominee is signing John Morant to a five-year, $194 million rookie max extension. No player option on the end of that. Just the full five. Andy did not qualify for the kicker that would have put that uh, amount about $40 million higher. Um, The fourth nominee is signing Tyus Jones to a two-year $29 million deal. And the fifth and final nominee is trading three second-round picks to the Clippers, trading Danny Green to the Houston Rockets Rockets in exchange for Luke Kennard and a 2026 second-round pick. All right, guys. What do y'all think should be the winner from this list of the best deal slash pick craft i'll start with you so um there's a couple on the board for me but i'm uh kind of sticking with my theme um and this might seem wrong to a lot of people now but i would i would easily say that it's signing john morant to a five-year 194 million rookie at max extension um just because uh despite all the craziness um, with Jaw and everything that's going on and all the unknowns. Uh, we've never had a superstar before. We've never had a top. And, I, you know, I think he would have been second team all NBA this year um, if people weren't upset about his behavior. He was last year. I think he's a top 10 player. And the fact that he very willingly um, and excitedly signed five years, didn't ask for any kind of like. Uh, you know, player options or tra- no trade clause, stuff like that. Although I don't know if no trade clause was even available to him at this point. But 
uh, and that I think, and I think in two or three years, this is going to be a, um, I think it will seem like a great deal when the new contracts come in and the fact that he didn't get the super max because of the all NBA miss this year. So I just think when you have a superstar and he wants to stay with you for a longer period of time, that would be mine. My choice. What do you think Brantley? Uh, man, I was not even going to John Morant mode. I'm that just, I guess maybe that just, I'm just in such a still emotionally unstable state. It's a weird time. It's yeah. a very weird a time. Weird, to, and, that, and I'm trying to, so I'm trying you. to have the big picture view here. I was, I was so. kind of catching myself just being an audience member, like <laughs> kind of listening to, to John's point there versus having an opinion. Sorry. Uh, I think that I'm going to go with Melton because I think he proved, he proved my opinions about his playoff uh, abilities this season. And, and, you know, we, we sort of got canard ish out of that trade and, uh, I like canard. And I'm yeah. I don't know what he's going to do for us, but he's kind of a good asset chip that we might could use or just keep him because he makes lots of three point baskets, which is really fun to watch as a fan. So yeah, I, 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 I'm not I'm not trying to be a super hater on Melton, but that was I think we did get there. What do you think, Ty? Um, I'm going uh, the Canard uh, acquisition. Uh, the jaw thing, like he was going to sign it regardless. Like it might have not been the five-year max, but he was going to at least do the four plus one. So that was like almost like a guaranteed that's going to happen. Like no rookie player ever turns that down. So I was almost, that's like an assumption. I love the connection between Melton and kind of like Kennard kind of came from that. Um, the Melton thing too, like I thought about this the other day. It's like – after the fact, everyone that was kind of in the know within the Grizzlies was like, all they wanted was a first-round pick. They didn't care who it came by. It could have been any team in the 20s. As long as they were giving a, fir- a first-round pick, that they were going to trade Melton to them. And honestly, if it wouldn't have happened last year, I think it would be happening this summer too, like this draft cycle. Because if you look at the new CBA and all that kind of stuff, like guys like Melton who are upcoming on an extension – it's just like now you're really pressed to like make big decisions. And I think we made the right move. And if we wouldn't have done it last year, I think we would have done it this year. Um, but I think getting Kennard, who honestly really like surprised me, uh, it, his value in our offense is just like anyone with a pulse that can shoot, like how much that can do for us. And he was kind of here for it for the playoffs. Didn't he shoot like 50% in the playoffs or something from three? It was like outrageous. We'll round up. Um, there you go. Uh, he was really good. He was really good for us. And I think he could be really good for us moving forward. I say that. We may trade him this summer. Um, but I could see that path. I could see much more of him being a legit piece, not only to play and be you know, a big contributor, but also like a potential trade option especially when you compare him to Danny Green so I think that was like a huge upgrade not only for the now but potentially for you know moving forward I thought that was a steal honestly three seconds in Danny I think that's like a a steal yeah that's where my head was at as well in this award I, I agree with you on the job point I think looking ahead like three years from now 
which this is up for debate this summer out of all summers. But three years from now, I think we will look up and say when this cap uh, salary cap is as high as we believe it's going to go, this jaw, jaw deal, rookie max extension, is going to almost feel like a second rookie deal in context of everything that we can build around with combined with the Jaron deal, obviously Bain's extensions upcoming. So I, I priced that in almost last summer, but the canard deal really did, uh, you know, you can have a chicken or the egg debate about like, if you didn't trade Melton is the canard deal there. I believe that if we, even if we had kept Melton on the roster, then we could have made the same deal maybe with Melton instead of Danny green for Luke canard. Um, and I just think he adds something that the Grizzlies desperately still need. We need another Luke Kennard, honestly, uh, going into this next season because shooting is is just a weak spot still for this team. And he, I mean, if he doesn't get hurt at the end of this that Lakers series, who knows? We we had found something with with Luke playing really I don't know big who minutes. Who Denver has that can guard Kennard? To be honest, yeah. Hey, good point. Good point. Um, just kidding, <laughs> kidding. But overall, also you. You extend the uh, the contract to, to a, an additional year, so we have more flexibility with him. Great contract size, hundred percent, fourteen yeah. and a half or something like that, fifteen yeah. right at that. So, so uh, and yeah. I think that would have definitely been my. I mean, that would that would have been my other choice. I too think, late, crap. Too I know, late, I know, man. I know. But I, I do think that it's interesting just thinking about that we got, like especially when we think forward, how this front office works, and honestly, how the new CBA works. I think. I'm excited that I think our front office sees uh, when a guy who's good for us but who might not be a playoff guy that we trade him at peak value, you know, and we were able to from that, from trading Melton, we've we've now, I think, got a promising young player on a really good contract and Kennard who did show up for us in the playoffs until he got injured. Um, And really, honestly, I think saved sort of our season a little bit going down the stretch um, and so, I mean, I just think that was, you know, I, that gives me encouragement for how our front office works to be able to kind of think that way and, and honestly get off a, a kind of beloved player. Um, but I think make our team better doing that. So, all right, Ty, can you introduce our next category? And by the way, the Luke Kennard trade did win the last any congratulations to Luke and his whole team on this win. He, uh, yeah, he deserved it. Um, all right. So our next one. Uh, worst deal, kind of playing off the first one, not the best. So we're going to go worst deal slash pick. Uh, option one, traded cash and a 24 second to the Spurs for Kennedy Chandler, who's no longer on the team. Uh, so there's that one. Second one is traded up to draft Jake LaRavia at number 19. I think we traded from 22 to 19. Do you remember um, who was drafted at 22? It was Walker Kessler. Ooh. Yeah, that, that contributes to this. Um, then traded D'Anthony Melton to the Sixers for Danny Green and Roddy. I see what Will did there, kind of flipped it on its head. Um, and then the last one is signed Brandon Clark to a four-year, $52 million extension. I know Will didn't put that in there. Cause I did. It hurt. the best deal in the NBA. It hurt. It hurt, but I had to put it in there. It's um, kind of where we are. Will, lead us off. Yeah, so I think uh, to me, I um, – when I'm thinking through all these, I, I am not in the camp. I, I already said the D'Anthony Melton trade was won as soon as the trade deadline happened and we saw like two weeks of Luke Kennard. I, that, that trade was a win for the Grizzlies in my opinion. I think we all saw what Melton did this year in the playoffs for a different team. We've seen this movie, that movie before. 
so I, you know, Roddy's improvement across the season helped that argument majorly. He, he I think, is going to be a contributor uh, for years to come for the Grizzlies. Uh, I did, I, I think the combination of the Roddy and LaRavia at number 19 was interesting, so I can see the argument there, especially in context of Walker Kessler. And I personally, though, am going to go ahead and say that Kennedy Chandler is the worst move. I just think that you wasted a roster spot. Uh, I think this team could have used more from that, especially down the stretch with injuries. Obviously, they they had they they've already gotten rid of him, and I hate that there's guaranteed money now that we're going to be paying out for the next couple of years. I know it's small, and there weren't like a huge whiffs this year. Like this, there's not an obvious pick. Is what I'm trying to say. I just really hate the Chandler deal. I think it was a, a big miss, and they're already paying for it. Uh, in my opinion. Yeah, I, it it stinks that we have to like discuss this, but it because you can't forecast injuries. But that Brandon Clark injury is going to sting. I know. I try not to talk about it. I know. <laughs> Could and you tell? So I, that's why I'm bringing it up now because all the points you just made. If I hadn't heard you talking about Kennedy Chandler, other other than the trade up spot, I would have thought you were talking about Brandon Clark. Besides the like small amount side. I mean, I just think that I, I don't know. I just have like Darrell Arthur just like haunting me, like the athleticism thing, just like immediately going away thing. And I hope I hope that's not the case. But I sort of feel like even maybe you know we talked about this in the exit interview stuff that Kleiman was maybe doing some strategy and talking about BC's recovery. Who knows? But. I'm, I hope I'm wrong, but that's what that's where I'm leaning is that 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 stings. Yeah. So I so on that note, um, to me, the Ravia is still kind of in a to be determined. Uh, and, Agreed. And the and so and so it's funny because I was probably I mean I went dark on the Clark thing um, earlier. So, but but I'm going to say that I'm I'm going to and I'm probably going to look back and be annoyed with myself, but I'm going to say the brand Clark's to be determined to. And that is because I probably against all reason, uh, am at, got excited about climbing being positive about Clark. It probably has r- other motives, but I'm just going to go with that because of my positivity. And so I'm going to just, I'm going to pick Kennedy Chandler because it does seem like, uh, it just is rare. It, it's one of, one of the moves and maybe one of these days we'll go through a lot of the moves climate's made. It's just one of the first times under his leadership. I feel like we just made a move that uh, just kind of was puzzling and don't really understand it. And then, and just to continue to kind of be a bad move. Um, And I just, I still don't really, there's really nothing about it. I mean, and and I guess you could say, you know, wasn't that much. Was it for jaw? Yeah. And that's, and that's what I'm wondering. I mean, that, that would be, that would be the only positive I could see was that, Kennedy and Jaw were friends. They they trained together over some summers, and it was like just getting another backup point guard, doing a maybe. But then I just don't know why they gave him that guaranteed contract. Uh, so that's the th- I just it just seems weird. But that might we could find out later. There's some kind of you know uh, I don't know some amazing chess move he made with that. But right now it just seems puzzling. And then everything else. On, I mean we've already talked about the Melton thing. But uh, but the other two, I just think, are still to be determined on whether they were bad moves or not. I mean, I'm 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 leaving out some hope for Clark, 
that actually maybe in the third and fourth year of this contract, it will be an okay deal. Almost but. would have rather had Tilly than Kennedy Chandler. Yes. Like just keep somebody yeah, just keep, low I mean, cost for one year. Right. Like you don't have the guaranteed money. Just like sign a minimum right. and, and just what like, a what a throwback Kelly and Tilly. Well, that's I mean, who we cut I last mean, year again, in order to I mean, afford at this point. I mean, that, I mean what we've showed, honestly, what we've showed is we just need guys. <laughs> we just need guys who have some defensive intensity to them that can hit shots from time to time. And I think Tilly did that. And his role of like playing just a few games a year with injuries and being okay. Like, yeah. I feel like he, he did an okay job with that. So Ty, man, I, I kind of try to think of this as like in two or three years from now, what could we look back and be like, Oh no. And the reason I'm not picking the Kennedy Chandler one is because honestly, in like three weeks, we won't ever remember it happened. Um, I'm going to go with BC as well because, again, to Brantley's point, I think in two years from now, yeah, it'll be like kind of towards the end of that contract, but that'll still be a decent bid on the books and at a position that we really need if we're, if you know, people kind of say we got a three or four year window here to really kind of make some noise. Um, so to me, what could look up, like what could we look back on and be like, wow, that hurts, 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 is if Brandon is just not the same guy. I think. To break the tie, I'll go Brandon as well, uh, so that we don't aren't split here. Uh, I think mainly because he is a big who does not shoot, and committing that much money on this particular roster was. I mean, you had to preserve the asset, so I don't blame them for signing. But I think you could look back and say, maybe could you have afforded one less year, maybe a little bit lower of an annual value and still preserve because it seemed like Brandon had basically tipped his hand saying he wanted to stay. So could have, could you have leveraged that a little bit more and the injury you can't help. I just think that when you're looking at this specific group of nominees, like there isn't one that's like standing out as like horrible, horrible. So I'll right. break and the tie and go hindsight right. Like at the time of the deal, I was yeah, like, Oh, was that great. makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that's great. That's right. good for him. Good for us. Like, yeah, this is great. He could be. I mean, he was coming off an awesome playoff series against the Wolves. Like it was like, oh, this makes this makes sense for th- that seventh, eighth man on a really good team. I mean, it, so. it's it's hard to. I mean, I was watching. The, you know, they there's been a few clips just going around of like earlier Grizzlies stuff going around Twitter and going online that you just see and then you just forget and just. Like thinking about us in the playoffs, being able to have that flexibility of Adams or Clark and throwing in those lineups. It just is like it's just like it just killed us not having either of those guys for the second half of the season. And especially just having Clark, um, you know, f- for certain matchups in the playoffs. It's just him and J- Jaron as a front course just so good. So it's just it sad. Is sad. Yeah. Just sad all around. All right, Brantley. Next category. Most surprising. Uh yeah. Triple J as DPOY, David Roddy, Mr. Aldama, Tillman's performance in the playoffs, Luke Kennard's impact, or late entry, Jitty Conchar. I can't believe that our producer extraordinaire left him off the list. Well... I guess we ha- we would probably need to define the term of surprising. Are you saying surprising in a positive or a negative way? 
For Jitty? Yeah. At least in the regular season, his his fill-in ca- capacity is what I mean. Some would say they were not surprised at all by this. Well, so you can make an argument <laughs> for every person on, I mean, at least on DPOY and, and, and I don't know. Okay, so fine. Maybe just that's the only other one. You know, just trying to defend my boy's honor. Okay, hey, yeah, I understand. So um, we can, I but guess. But we appreciate the not, no, we appreciate the nomination. We're going to put it on our resume. surprising, maybe. Uh, okay, Craft, um, you get the chance to go first on this one. Yeah, so um, the first one, so that would be my issue. It's not surprising at all. Um, Jared Jack's Defensive Player of the Year. Um you know, I'm I'm mad at myself for not for not going stronger on that um, on my preseason picks and future bets. Um, uh, fortunately, I put real money on that. So, but uh, so that's not surprising to me I'm at all. Right. That's exactly what I expected of Jaron to be in that conversation. And and so for me, looking at it, I mean, it honestly, uh, really all I mean everything else on there uh, has been a good surprise. I mean, ultimately. I would say um, Santi Aldama to me is the biggest surprise just because, you know, this time last year I expected zero from him. Uh, Halfway through summer league, I expected less than zero. Like I was mad. I was like, well, I guess finally we've, we've gotten somebody in the first round that's worthless. He was kind of the Kennedy Chandler example last year. He was the Kennedy Chandler example last year. And then he legitimately – I mean, it's hard to remember now because of how long the season is that Jaron missed the first 14 games. Uh, but Santi, you know, filled in very well when Jaron came in. Uh, that wasn't this like he started. He, he started, started. Yeah, game one. Game one. I mean, you know, and I think the only the only thing not making this a total rubber stamp is that he did struggle in the playoffs. He had some actually good moments. Felt like he was there for it, and so I'm hoping the just the strength. And just being overpowered, you know, defense just not being big enough and strong enough uh, against the Lakers. But uh, but I think for him that that'd be how I choose. But like honestly, all of them were pleasant surprises. But as far as just going on past performance, he was the one that totally surprised me. I was not a, even in my wildest dreams, I didn't expect him to be as like good and playable and, and as in the rotation as as he was all season. Yeah, and I think to to complement what we were just talking about with BC, at least for the regular season next year. I mean, obviously Aldama has a different style of game, but. In the regular season next year, he gives us something that we I feel like we can go in really counting on what he can give us now, which is a massive positive. He's the he's the main one for me too, even though I did add Conchar late. I just did that because I was shocked that uh, you know I was surprised that he wasn't on the surprising list. But uh, I'm with you on the playoff thing. I I sort of think that the speed, like you know, he didn't seem to small for the moment craft to your point, but I do feel like sometimes the speed just was where he was getting off. And I'm hoping that maybe some of those reps um, and maybe with a little bit more bulk could help him too. So uh, I'm, he, I was so pleasantly surprised yeah. by Dama and, and I think Roddy was surprising because of how terrible he started. So it was like, you know, he started from the bottom and, and uh, he had a lot of room to improve and he had a couple of really big moments and so I, but I'm still sticking with Aldama for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think if, if Aldama wasn't on this list, it would be a runaway David Roddy. Like you said, it was just, it was horrible at the start of the season. Like every lineup he was in suffered majorly. It's almost like you couldn't 
you couldn't evaluate guys any like any other guys in the lineup if he was also in that lineup because of how far down he dragged, like a net rating, for example. But Aldama just, I mean, another steal in the draft by them. The development, apparently, over the summer, which this will show up in a future episode, but shout out Darko, uh, our head assistant, who now just took the head coaching job in, in Toronto, apparently worked with Sansi a bunch over the summer, and he stepped into a starting role and was actually competent and was part of a, a winning group. And I think that's going to be invaluable moving forward, especially with a, a more thin front court, uh, potentially. And he has this element of his game, which is he's not afraid to pull up and can hit shots from deep, which this team desperately needs. So he's my vote as well. Anything to add, Ty? Nope. Love it. Congratulations to Santi. All right, Kraft, next category. Most disappointing. This is a stacked group. <laughs> <laughs> Most disappointing. Zaire Williams. Dylan Brooks playoff performance. <laughs> Brandon Clark torn Achilles. Man, this is, I'm just getting sad. Telling you. <laughs> Steven Adams knee injury. Luke Kennard shoulder injury. And John ja Morant's adventures on IG Live. Whew. This and this is the category. And now for a you know, quick break it from is, our sponsors. It is, you know, I mean, I actually just like as better help an editorial comment. Just it's in- interesting because, uh, you know, reading the most surprising, it's like you know this season was fun. You know, you can read the surprising. It's like, man, we really did have some great uh, things happen that were unexpected. Um, and then you read the most disappointing, and then you realize why the why the season ended the way it did. But um, so. So uh, let's start us off. It's hard to avoid the elephant in the room on this list, which is when your superstar has jeopardized his. Not, I, I don't. I want. I don't want to go as far to say his career, but when he jeopardizes his uh, position on this team and his reputation. His, I mean, fill in the blank, everything that he has had. It, and we'll see. I mean, the suspension still hasn't come down yet. We don't know what it's going to look like. More importantly, we don't know where Ja is right now uh, mentally. But I got to say, like, that completely changed the season down the stretch. You could say it did galvanize the rest of the group to end the season strong. And I think the playoffs were more impacted by injury than they were by jaw. But I think this particular event is is a fork in the road for him and a fork in the road for this franchise. And so I think among all the other disappointments, which you could theoretically make an argument for all of them, I think if, you're, if your superstar is at risk, that is the most serious to me on the list, and that's why... I will probably have to go with Jaw, even though I could talk for ten minutes about every single other one of these. So yeah, I feel like we could tear this category yes. out. Should we do a non-Jaw <laughs> like let me, discussion? Can we? Can we oh, let me, Jaw's let me, not mine. Let so. me. Let, oh my yeah. gosh. Let me do the Jaw. Let's do the Jaw thing just for a second, just for fun roundtable. <laughs> the, the optimism here. Hold on. I can't. I'm going to get to you in just a second, but hold off. Let's just assume for a second in an alternate reality. 
Jaws Instagram is private and no one sees it or like it doesn't happen. Okay. But the injuries stay the same. So do we beat the Lakers? Uh, no. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm for sure. No on that. Okay. So in an interesting plot twist, it, for the season evaluation, maybe it, it, it was dramatic and awful, and for the future, it's exceptionally disappointing. And it didn't have the most disappointing impact to the season. Well, I mean, that's and that's. I mean, you know I, what I mean? Like, I'm just playing. Yeah, I I want to pick. I was going to say with though, all of my heart. I was well, going to say the question was it the cold because Jaw definitely. I mean, you know, the claim for why I didn't make All NBA. Why, why? No, the claim well, for why he didn't make it, the All NBA was because his behavior distracted from the team, and that this was all. And I would say that, and so, and so that's I think for me, talking about disappointment, which is I don't think the on court, uh, you know, production of Jaw was affected. Now the question, you know, you could be obviously the team was upset about him staying out late. Uh, on road games and things like that, but he still had an incredible statistical year. And so that's, what's hard for me about the disappointment is just that it seems like it's on off culture. Obviously I'm a cult. I mean, off court, I'm obviously a culture guy, so it does concern me, but it didn't seem like it affected the play. I think, okay. It also depends on how you think about the Denny's. Some of us, (laughs) let's get into the, some of us think about the Denny's. Yes. Some of us think about the Denny's as, the story of the season. Okay. And to me, you cannot tell the story of the season without the disappointment that John, Mar- the, the cloud over the last half of the, the season. And to me, I think there are arguments to be made if I, and I should also say this, it's the second one for me. Like it's the second Instagram. The first one is like, you know, can be solved by 10 days in counseling. But the second one Sure it can. Uh, you know, is is obviously a bit more concerning. And but so what if it's a toy. <laughs> Sorry. Even worse. Bad joke. Don't even get me on that one. Uh, but I just think that's how I think about this particular uh category. So it's like disappointing like a parent. Yes. So I'm the word disappointing here is like oh I'm yes. just so disappointed uh-huh. in you. Yes, hundred percent. Which it's fair because I mean he's I like twenty one. Jump in, guys. Come on. To say that it's not jaw. And his Instagram stuff is crazy. Well, okay. I'm not saying that. I'm just playing for fun for Spin Zone. Can we can we also can the we acknowledge that it's not that? That Kraft was in here calling us the 2012 Spurs last summer, and our culture was the best in the entire world of any sport professionally. I mean, it was. In the world. <laughs> to say that, like, who Jai is a superstar, all this kind of stuff. If it was, the leader it, that, that he is. He's perfect for Memphis. All this. He's, he's just the ideal guy to have here. To now flip that completely upside down 12 months later and to say that that's not the biggest disappointment is crazy. It just We just don't know. What if Tim Duncan had had Instagram Live? You oh, know? my gosh. <laughs> well, let me ask you this, Kraft. If you did... What is your what is your choice if so, it's not Ja? Yeah, so I changed mine. Mine is Kraft's opinion right now. <laughs> Kraft's optimism is the most well, disappointing so thing. I will say my my the culture stuff with Jaw definitely is taking a hit. Taking a I just hit? I think the you know, to me it would be more 
the media narrative surrounding Jaws, the thing that disappointed me more than honestly the IG stuff, because I think it did not have to be as big of a deal as it was. But I've I've maintained that opinion and we will see, um, you know, it's hard because it seems so weird because he just was a non-factor all year. But for me, at least Zaire Williams was a humongous disappointment in the sense that he I mean, he similar to what Aldama and Roddy kind of were. This year for us, you know, that Zaire got off to a rough start, but he showed some flashes, had some good moments in the playoffs. Uh, honestly, had a, I thought, a very good summer league, a promising summer league. And then just for him to be a complete non-factor, and some of it being injury-related, uh, I think, and then mentally related. But, I mean, it was like he was so bad. And, and just to realize all of a sudden we – we we drafted a high guy that might be nothing you know and so we don't know and and again that's to be determined and so you know it's weird because it's not to talk about your philosophy of the Denny's here it wasn't the story of the season because he just was so irrelevant to the season but that's why it's disappointing to me um but it's hard because obviously the injuries were just I mean I you know I mean I think that I don't I I don't think even full strength we were ready this year as far as like I think the Nuggets would have beaten us but I do think we could have very easily beaten the Lakers fully healthy I think we could have beaten the Warriors fully healthy um and so so obviously all those different injury players we just talked about how sad Brandon Clark is I mean all that so I think if I had to choose I mean so it's hard it's Sire Williams to me or it's Stephen Adams knee because I think Stephen Adams knee kept us kept us out of the Western Conference Finals Dude, I like all this is like jaw nothing about jaw kept us like from i think peaking this season i just don't i don't As think our record that, or our playoff with no inside information our playoff success you know that that's my feel that's my feel is that our playoff our on-court success was not impacted by jaws stuff we still were the two seed we you know um, I think Jaw, you know, I mean, honestly, if Jaw had a bad playoffs, it was because, of, you know, he's playing with one hand. So who's the biggest winner in all of this? In my opinion, it's Dylan Brooks that we haven't brought him up yeah. yet. Well, it's not disappointing because it was expected. There you go. That's a <laughs> Conchar, but flipped. I love it. Crap, I just can't believe you. This is wild. Yeah, I mean, like, okay, look. <laughs> To say that Zaire was a bigger disappointment than Ja waving guns within two months of each other after <laughs> his end-of-the-season pressure about how he needs to mature and how he needs to have better people around him and how he needs to be a better leader. I'm going to change. I went to counseling. I'm a better man. I do this for my daughter, blah, 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 blah. Six weeks later, what is he doing? He's waving a gun on IG Live. Like, Zaire's probably working really hard, man. He's trying to gain some weight. Yeah, he's a second-year player. He's Drinking 19. Like, you know, to be expected, he maybe have a down year. That's fine. That's not that big of a deal. Like, was he even going to be in, like, our really top, like, eight rotation players? Like, maybe, maybe not. Who's to say? Like, I just don't think – I don't I don't think – He just – but he I didn't – I think he should be discussed. But there was no to point that. to me – so, culture-wise, leader-wise, jaw <laughs> – has been disappointing it's like you know it's like uh having like uh your you know favorite sibling or your teenage son or something be disappointing like and so that is disappointing from jaw but i was not disappointed in his basketball play 
this year. And honestly, that is true, but, even but his jo- leadership on the court, like I just didn't. There was nothing about that I felt. Um, you know, I just thought he came to play. We played well with, when he played. I mean, and so I, and honestly, even when we didn't play, we played well. Let me ask you a question for real. Okay. Yes. So for the Grizzlies of Memphis to reach their ceiling. Yes. As a franchise, do they need John Morant to be the alpha of the team and the leader of the team? Yes. Okay. Therefore, is that ability impacted by this past year's behaviors? I think that if he does not mature from this, yes. And the percentage chances of that if happening are much higher now than they were this time last year. For me, if anything, now we've gotten rid of the one step back. Now it's just step forward from here on out. Okay. <laughs> so I mean, to we me, talked that's about when we talked about when was the backlash going to happen? When was the like thirty for thirty moment where the sad music starts? And it's going to be the bad moment before the next commercial when we then get the happy music because it's then going to be all great. And who would that was this was season for Zaire John Williams had a down second year. <laughs> he, he drinks gallons of water a day. But to it's me, not, it's, the reason why it's the most disappointing, the reason why it's the yes. most disappointing is because I think I agree with you for us to win, to have a parade in our city. Yes. Yes. <laughs> would, be would be for John ja to be the leader. And I think that. For us to sit here and say that we know he still can be is a uh, it's 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 in sinking sand right now. It's not in cement. It's not a solid foundation, and so that's why it's disappointing. Is because for, we want to win the thing, and that is in that trajectory because of the leadership culture thing that we that I think is got has got massive cracks in it we're not sure how that's going to be fixed i just if i see bane or jaren waver then i'll be concerned at this point crap at this like, point the- just the forum could fall apart and you'd be like, God, we're going to be, <laughs> but see, then that makes <laughs> it, that makes so, it not I mean, about John anymore though. We just had, I mean, honestly looking at that disappointing list, like Told y'all we had stacked. the, we had the perfect storm of disappointment. We were still the freaking two seed. We still, if we'd been more clutch would have beaten the Lakers because we had lost two close games that took a lot of crazy stuff to happen for us to lose. And that was with our worst season with this group. I think, so I just, you know, I, I, it's hard for me. And so I just, I don't, yes, it could go off the rails. I just, I just don't see it. I don't see it going off the rails to that extent. I think that everything that Jaws done has been sort of made a bigger deal. Everything's been hyped because of who he is more so. And it feels greater than I think in reality, it really is. Um, but I mean, but I'm not going to argue with y'all. Like, I, I, it's perfectly legitimate to you call are this. Arguing the, with us? I mean, I am arguing currently. with you. No, no, no. no. I'm defending sure. myself. <laughs> I, I, I totally respect y'all's. Uh, you know, if that is all three of y'all's opinions, but I, I respect that 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 was disappointing, and I get it. 
I mean, like, I had to eat it. I was sending, like, random podcasts trying to compare Jaw to Tim Duncan. And, like, the emails back were not fun anymore. So, you know, I get it that it's that there is that disappointment. But as far as the on-court, I still feel like he was, you know, that he was what I wanted to see from him on the court, still as a leader on the court. Obviously, there's stuff that's going on in his personal life that he needs to get organized uh, to be the full thing. But, again, you know, as I go back to Tim Duncan – um, who probably would have handled IG Live just fine, despite my previous comments. He would comments. never have signed up for the account. But he was, he was Jaws' age now when he was a rookie. So it just it's like trying to think through that perspective. That is all very true. I'm so, with you. That, so that's what sure. I'm trying to do. I'm trying to be hopeful. But, you know, so. And, and this makes for good discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Told y'all it was stacked. I, pr- I, I like the pushback. And, uh, yeah, you can't tell the story of the Denny's. And, and I think season, in good, I mean, in good Dylan Brooks jaw. fashion, we didn't even talk about him. That's probably, it's pretty probably, crazy. probably deserves. He has gotten plenty of airtime on this podcast, and we are not going to talk about him anymore. Um, okay, we got some, <laughs> some more categories to, to go, believe it or not. Um, okay, we're going to move on to most improved. I've got Jaron. I've got Roddy and I've got Santi in this category. We've touched on a bit, you know, around each of these guys. Um, who do y'all think is it was the most improved this year out of the three? I feel like this is Santi's thing. To me, it just fits with the most surprising. Roddy, I don't. He improved a lot during the season, but Santi went from is this Clemens worth pick to he got playoff you know, significant playoff time. I guess Roddy kind of had that same story for a little bit too. So I don't know. I completely agree with Brantley on that one. Nothing to add. Uh, First time ever. (laughs) This is a beautiful moment. Let's sit and enjoy this. I'm going to go Jaron. I think that when you're talking about improvement to winning, winning defensive player of the year, when you start the season missing 14 games, like that's, extremely impressive to me. We were even, there was a doubt that Jaron could deliver as, as a core part of this group. Like there was a legitimate question at the start of the season and the injury only made it worse. And I just think that his um, rise, not only on the court, but also as a leader as well. Like he, he, you see the differences in this off season where where Jaron's, um, spending his time and the accolades that he's getting. And I just think that we have a full-fledged leader on our hands. And 10 months ago, that wasn't clear on, on how that was going to play out for Jaron. So that's my vote, personally. What do you think, Ty? I was going to go with Jaron, too, because I think the leap that he made is a harder one to get to. Uh, defense player of the year is crazy. His... Uh, you know, the defensive metrics were like, you know, breaking records this year's block percentages were out of this world. Um, and yeah, down the stretch when Ja was out, the offensive load that he took on, um, talk about like, you know, a guy that really kind of evolved when he was kind of not back against the wall, but like he was forced to kind of play a different role than he's played before and like really excelled. Um, I remember how many like games in a row it was like over 25 points or something like that, but it was several there towards the end. Um, so I'm gonna go with uh, Trip, aka the Block Panther. Do we convince either of y'all yep. to change I mean, your vote? I mean, you know, obviously but I, I will say the Santi thing is like I thought yeah. 
I, I mean, I, I obviously want any excuse to talk great about Jaron. I thought he was really great. I think for me and my mindset, just sort of like, it's kind of like he lived up to what I expected in a sense. And so, and that, that's the only reason why we're Santi with what Brantley said. That's what I felt. But I think Jaron, Jaron's great, especially on the offensive side, what he, what he brought kind of, Became a two-way guy. I think more that so it, than ever. And I think that if y'all had uh, maybe talked more about Jaron's case from an offensive angle, I might have been swayed. I do think he made a lot of leaps offensively. Did I miss? Did was I just not paying attention? Well, uh, it was. We we mentioned it. We'll just <laughs> leave it at that. We didn't. We, we didn't hit on it enough. Pod? No, we we probably didn't hit it enough. But y- y'all brought the case uh, to an even better place. So, what do y'all think? <laughs> well, I will just can say I, this: we, from, from that perspective, I really felt like Jaron did make a lot of leaps offensively. Honestly, I just with I think, his bulk down low. That, I mean, that's what I, I think. I I think for me, I'm just similar to we had a, we had a player last year that one most improved that actually wanted a different award. So that's just kind of where I'm going with this. So there's another award coming for the player that y'all gave most improved for me in the Denny's. I agree. Um, okay. Well, we're just going to have our, our, our split vote. Jaron and Santi. Co- I really appreciate y'all's offensive takes on Jaron. Co- they were really great. <laughs> um, talk about his stretch of offensive Brilliant. 25 Kyle points. When I yeah. re-listen to the podcast, I'll, I'm sure I'll hear it. Can't wait <laughs> yeah. for that day to happen. <laughs> yeah. All right, Ty, next award. DPOY. Don't even know why it's on here. Jaron Conchar, of all people, and Dylan. Late edition. Can, can, <laughs> Too can late a, edition. Can a player win Defensive Player of the Year for just a series of plays in one game? I think he might be able to. He had the best play defensive play of the season. <laughs> Did he? Well, I Anthony don't know about Davis that. We'll, we'll, I mean, we'll that get there in a minute. Awesome, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Jaron we'll block on Embiid at the like literally, like Jaron's hand was bent over the rim. That okay? Yeah, but regular season versus playoffs. <laughs> sure, <laughs> I'm go gonna vote Jaren. for Jaron. Yeah, and Dylan okay. was good enough defensively to where he could be like a net a thousand negative a thousand. <laughs> And still be on the court because of his defensive prowess on LeBron. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I do so need maybe. to stay on brand a little bit. I do think we did have another player make an off-defensive team, um, but he was not defensive player of the year. But I just want to throw that out there that Dylan did make second Dylan team. Dylan was great on defense, defense this year. He was. So, he was great. So he was good. He's a really good defensive you know, player. And, and unfortunately for him, and I honestly fortunately for us as far as I think our front office being able to come down on a good decision with him, uh, so fortunately long-term, but unfortunately short-term, you know, I think that probably was – Lakers were probably the worst matchup in the West for for Dylan's defensive gifts. So. Yep. Um, but I'm, obviously Jaron, defensive player. Of the yeah, I'm, inc- I'm inclined if the NBA, you know, if you were the NBA DPOY, I think you have to be the Denny's DPOY as well. So That, that is a fair – Our hands are a little tied in this in – this Unless game. if it was Dylan Brooks. That, that's that's right. a pretty good argument you make there. Yep. All right, next, next one, Brantley. Um, we're going to do the Denny's most valuable player, uh, uh, most valuable person. That is actually very modern of us. Uh, Ja, Jaron, Steve-O, Adams, Taylor Jenkins. Those are the four options. 
And Ty, I'm going to let you discuss who you think this award should go to. Gosh, this is this is a really hard one. Um, probably the hardest one yet. Uh, man, I'm going to say Jaw just because I want to like I want to I want to just like show Jaw some some love. I, I love you, brother. I really hope you get it together. I'm rooting for you. You're never listening to this. Hardly anyone does. Oh, I thought I thought we were. FYI, Ty is not in the numbers. Ty's a analytics guy. He shows up. He talks. Spoiler alert! I think we're setting up for Jod to have the post in a first first post suspension interview. We're going after it. That's right. That's right. Seriously, jumping in his DMs on Instagram. Jod, I think you're the. Hope he doesn't check him. We love you in Memphis. I've tried to buy every one of your shoes, and I can't because they sell out so fast. You're a human highlight. I think you're awesome, and I can't wait to see what you do next year and moving forward. I just love him so much. Can I make the case for Steven Adams? No, it's Ja. Next question. <laughs> Steven Adams gets hurt. What happens? That's my case. Yeah, man. I, I, it's unfortunate that it's even a case. Is really, I mean, it's. I put him on there half true, joking, but, but it, it was actually it's unfortunate legit. that it's really a case. Yep. But I think to me, it's like <clears throat> for this one, I I was just gonna align with Kraft for once, and maybe this whole discussion is that I just feel like it's Jaron, what he brought defensively, really changed the trajectory of our season, and maybe Jaron is our culture guy, and it's not Ja, and that's just really weird to me in a really fun way, but also in a way that scares me about the, the real ceiling of the franchise. Uh, yeah. As much as I love Jaron. It's definitely Jaron for me, uh, obviously. And I think in some ways, Stephen M's related in the fact that I think one of the, one of the questions we had about Jaron was uh, like, obviously he's amazing as a four who can kind of room and, and, and protect the rim, but not have to be sort of the guy who plays five and Steven Adams takes a lot more of the physical punishment. And so I think it was great that like if there's a silver lining to the Adams injury, it was Jaron showing he can play five and he can hold up in that position and kind of him getting reps doing that. He still needs to work on the moving screens on offense, but uh, but him doing that. And then obviously that adding the offense to showing that hopefully as he ages, gets stronger, he can actually be a two way player. And, and, you know, I mean, if, if he, he is and he gets to an all NBA level type player, if he can get us 20 points um, per game with the defensive player of the year, if he can maybe get a few more rebounds or even get better with the double teams, obviously still has a lot of stuff to improve, still young. Uh, but I definitely think he was the MVP of the season. He kind of held the team together. And like Brantley said, I think uh, is – like the hope is that him and jaw together, their strengths and weaknesses can come together. I think to be our culture, that's the hope. And then obviously throw Bane in there as well. Um, but I think Jaron was a stable, stable, you know, obviously, you know, a stabilized force at the same time. We have one player on IG live doing stuff um, out in nightclubs and uh, you know, showing, showing up to all-star interviews, possibly a little hungover. We have another guy who's getting on the, you know, on the players association so, you know, I think it's an interesting an interesting mix, those two. 
Um, but I think Jaron's the MVP for sure. And that's why I didn't give him most improved. I think he's the MVP of the season. Yeah, uh, I'll go back to first 14 games. Grizzlies were last in defense. Jaron shows up, and now we rise up to a top five defense uh, to end the season. And I think that is what truly saved it for us because we saw how our offense, as currently constructed, was not sustainable. And it was our defense that we had to rely upon day in, day out to get us to where we were. And you also throw in that he made his first all-star game this year. And so I think I'll give the nod to Jaron amidst everything. Do I still, do I think he's our best player? No, I still think Jaws our best, but when you're talking about MVP of the season, got to give it to Jaron. I think he earned it. Um, all right, craft next one. Did you notice how we strategically placed you in the order? To yes. Do the two I know, most, all the, the most negative categories. <laughs> I will say uh, just a shout. We didn't even talk about him really, but uh, you know, I think Taylor Jenkins, we're just taking him for granted at this point. Agreed. I think, and I'm very upset how the fan base, I think has sort of been very critical of him when I think that's just, he's just not the problem in my opinion. I mean, I think we can critique some playoff thoughts, but he's growing too. But I just think, especially with the season as a whole, you know, he continues to be a guy who, uh, seemingly finds success despite all the stuff going on somehow keeps piling up the wins uh, one very quick stat to support yeah. it and then we'll move to the next category uh in cleaning the glass they have this filter that you can look at uh where people are take where the team is taking all their shots and it says if they were shooting league average from all these places uh, what would their like effective field goal percentage be which is showing you like okay they're where are they taking shots on the floor are they the most efficient and so we were top 10 in that and we were like 20th when it comes to actual field goal percentage so what that tells me is we have the system that's putting players in the right positions taking the right shots we don't have the tools and the players yet that can fulfill that system and so I think that's a credit to Taylor Jenkins and everything that he's put in place for sure okay so the the next category is worst game or moments so it'd be game one versus the Lakers uh, I was in attendance. Uh, game four versus the Lakers. Game six versus the Lakers. Uh, it's a lot of games versus the Lakers here. Uh, first jaw IG live. Second jaw IG live. I mean, man, y'all really gave me this this category on purpose. Uh, Can you the, turn all of these into a positive? The BC injury. Uh, there's nothing about the BC injury that I can turn okay. into a positive. I don't think. Uh, Christmas game against the Warriors. That one I can turn into a positive. So, who wants to go up? I guess Brant. I think you're up first this time. Um, game four, which I guess is the one where we scored like three points in the first quarter. Uh, no, uh, sorry, I could have gone. I should have gone game three versus yeah, the Lakers. Game three. You know what? We're gonna add it. Late game add three. game three. Game three, where we uh, yeah. game, game four, four was, was disappointing was in the very last lost seconds. The very end. That's right. Uh, yeah, thanks. I've tried to delete all this from my memory because they were also very scarring and terrible. But uh, to me, the season really just started to take a really different turn. The Christmas game against the Warriors, it just started to feel different. I'm pretty sure I'm on record talking about that um, here on this podcast. And that was all before all of the Jaw stuff really started to pop. It there That was the pinnacle of like this m- – trajectory of the franchise being our first Christmas game having a shoe like a a superstar with a shoe all that stuff happening and then it just was an absolute disaster of a basketball game it was the worst I was so sad 
I don't I I there have been very few moments in my Grizz fandom where I've been more sad. I mean, I was I've been obviously sad when we've lost in playoff matchups, you know, particularly in the grit and grind era when I really thought we had a chance to continue to make deep runs, but man, that was just absolutely awful. And I will protect my emotions for big regular season matchups moving forward because it was so terrible. Y'all uh did y'all watch the Kentucky Derby this year? I did actually. More importantly, did you watch it last year? I did actually. Rich Strike. Do y'all remember this horse? There was a late scratch. It was like one of these additions that came at the last second, had the longest odds to win the Derby, and it won. Uh, we just added game three versus the Lakers into these nominees, and that's what I'm going to pick to win the Denny Award. The late addition. And it's because. I think game one was awful. Obviously, we just gave it up at the end. First home game, you're excited. You're like, okay, we've had this very weird ending to a regular season, and now we have an opportunity to actually turn it around. And it's kind of like Austin Reeves. That's when he was at the top of my Wodium after that game. Um, game three, though, if you remember, it was the uh, it was the Dylan talk that directly preceded this game, and we went to uh, you know along to score. Uh, the lowest amount of points in like a quarter in whatever playoff history, whatever the stat was. And it was just like, oh, we're not going to win. We're not going to win this series. And I think that's when the season, to me, was kind of just it, – it was almost – I mean, obviously game four we had hope. We could have tied it 2-2, stolen a game in L.A. It's a different series. So that's disappointing in and of itself, but we played well. I just feel like game three was just kind of like you have the Dylan stuff combined with the result and – even though it was a late addition, that's going to be my vote for. Uh, and we talked about the IG lives. I just feel like um, those are self-explanatory. But when you're talking about this season, that's that's the moment when I was like, "Oh, it's over." So that's it. So that's my vote. Um, man, yeah, I don't want to hash out the the IG live stuff again. Um, it's been talked about so much. I'm gonna say game six. Uh, the reason is, is because coming off of game five, there was, I personally, I feel like we all had this, there was a little bit of like hope still left. It was like, could this team rally? Could we figure out some stuff? At the end of the game of game five, Bain was like, literally said, we will bring it back for a game seven. We will be back here at this place. Um... I don't know. There was just like this little glimmer of hope that like maybe we kind of found something. I hate Kennard's hurt. Maybe Kennard's going to play. Maybe he's not that hurt. Um, I just felt like there was some hope left. And then as soon as game six started, it was kind of like, oh, man, like there is there is no light at the end of this tunnel. Um, You could flip it as Kraft would, you know, probably do. And that this kind of like really made us look hard in the mirror, which I believe it did. I think we were kind of looking at ourselves anyway before this. But this really like solidified it. Uh, Even Jaron went on the the Paul George podcast, which is really cool. Y'all should all listen to that. And talked about how like getting humbled is going to be the best thing for us. And then Bain actually like quote tweeted it and was like 100% or something like that. So I think it really did wake us up, but I think in the moment I've I've rarely felt like this hopeless towards this modern neck Grizz next gen team as I did after or during game six. It was just kind of like we're just like we're we're a dead team 
and we need life and I don't know how we're going to get it. So, um, not to, to, not to mess up the category, but I think I'm going to add uh, Can I add a last minute nominee? Of course. So, uh, yes. Yeah, so, so I will say that a, a close, I mean, uh, what Brantley said, I do think looking back, you know, it's, it's kind of when did the season turn. And so to me, there's two cat, there's two times. And, and Brantley said one of them when it felt like the, the like season kind of like, I guess what it was like the Cinderella, it like everything turned into a pumpkin, you know, like the, it struck midnight and everything's going back to normal again. Uh, the, the Christmas game had that feel. Um, but I'm going to choose a different one, and it's really because it symbolized to me everything. And that is that is the Lakers game. That is the Shannon Sharp game going into the Phoenix Suns game. Because that weekend, so part of it, and, and the only reason I say that is because the Christmas game was the first moment, like the first glimmer of what is going on, why did we, we're we're destroying people, why are we losing to this team that we should beat without Steph Curry, that we have all the reason to come in, like what is happening, what something's off. But we go on, but later, we go on to on an 11-game win streak after that. We were we have a couple bad losses, but then we, we go on an 11-game win streak and we're 31 and 13. And I am we, you know, I am I am already thinking about a parade. I'm thinking about, you know, not one tie, you know, I'm doing the, I'm doing the three, four, five with the the Heatles did. Uh, you know, I'm thinking this way, and then uh, instead of you know a bad Lakers team, this is before Lakers got good. A bad Lakers team, we we don't get the record tie. You know, the record uh, for franchise wins in a row with 12. We have the weird Shannon Sharp thing. We blow a lead. Bane of all people lose the game for us by getting the ball stolen. It's just a weird thing. Very next game, Phoenix Suns. A, t- a game we should win. It's a close game. We lose it barely, and for whatever reason, Stephen Adams like jumps for a ball in the very last second and t- and messes his knee up. And I just feel like after that, uh, during that stretch, we go one and eight, and lose to some really bad teams. And I, I mean, and I think if we went back, uh, you know, we we were on the ledge. I was probably still in my silver lining moment at that point talk, trying to talk everybody off probably <laughs> probably for sure was um but the fact that that moment happened and then we lost to this team and obviously a better version of lakers and a worse version of us to me that was like the moment uh and, and i said arguably it could be the christmas game too but that was when it was like this year is not going to be like last is not going to build on last year in the way that i want it to I felt like. And so that to me is the worst moment. Um, but obviously, you know, many of those playoff games the same way. I mean, the game three was embarrassing. Game six was honestly really embarrassing too uh, against the Lakers. But that to me, the, the when I think of the moment I'm going to think of the worst is the team I hate more than any other team in the NBA, which is the Los Angeles Lakers. And us being up big, they're terrible. Having Shannon Sharp screaming at us, and then they just punk us. Desmond Bain of all people blowing it. It just was really bad. And I felt like that kind of, and then that signaled, you know, the Lakers coming in and, you know, Austin Reeve being able to say he's him and our home, you know, at FedEx Forum and stuff. (laughs) I think what you said that to me, like if I were to like summarize this podcast and like this past season is like, it was embarrassing to be a Grizzlies fan at times. Yeah. 
And that sucked. And I don't want to be embarrassed. It's not like we were terrible embarrassing. It's like it just was like embarrassing. It, it just was embarrassing. And yeah. I want us to grow up to not where I don't I don't want to be embarrassed by the people that I root for anymore. I will say, you know, on your to add to your Christmas game argument, that was the first game where I realized we were hated. I feel like that was the first. I mean, we'd kind of been talking about it before that, but that's the first game. It really like there's a lot of people wanting the Warriors to beat us on Christmas. And and that was interesting. I me. think that might have been a just bad time, bad place or wrong place, wrong time, because it's like that fan base already hated us. They had the equity yeah. from last playoffs, but it was also like on display for the world to see. And so it's almost like, oh, it's cool to hate the Grizzlies. And I think they yeah. made it cool rather than like us actually being hated that, that day. That could be true. Yeah, that could be true. I don't know. Just yeah. a theory. Um, okay, let's close it out. Favorite game moment. We need some. Uh, we need some good news to end this. Uh, so let's go through these fun moments because the as disappointing as an ending that the season had, there were some moments throughout that we're not going to forget and were important along the way. We have Jaws dunk versus the Pacers, um, arguably his most viral dunk so far. Um, it wasn't my favorite personally because he kind of grazed the rim. Semantics. Uh, Game five win versus the Lakers. That's when we had tomato tomato. That's right. That's did when he we shot a. Did he point a gun light allegedly? In the, is that that? That's game? not the uh, not the same game. The, it not also, to be confused with the other Pacers it, it game. Also, it, it could be debated if Stephen Adams was not there to catch him that he could have broken in half. He could have. <laughs> so. um, game five win against the Lakers. I put this in here because it's kind of like oh we found something with Kennard. Yeah. Um, if he's healthy, you know dot dot dot. Yeah. Dylan Brooks, best Draymond on national TV. They had so the beef. Good. We had the TNT so game. They had the the just like the image of Draymond and Brooks just face to face, trying not to get a tech because they were I both like right on the line. Get that's right. Uh, yeah, that's right. Tell them to keep talking about me on that podcast. I'll play better. Um, John Conchar, both blocks on Anthony Davis. Luke Kennard, 10 DPOY, three pointers. John. That's right. Don't that. DPOY nominee. Right. Um, Luke Kennard, 10 three pointers against the Rockets, setting a franchise record. The 29 point comeback win against the Spurs. David Roddy, 17 point fourth quarter against the Mavericks. The Jaron dunk over Anthony Davis, arguably better than Jaws dunk. I don't know. Um, clutch buckets and stops to beat the Cleveland Cavs at home. That was an awesome, awesome game. And then we have the Jaron Block on Embiid, which we referenced earlier. A uh, lot of regular season moments, as you'll uh, notice. But which of these catches your eye, Ty? I'm going to go with the Dylan, uh, Dylan against Draymond. Uh, I think that'll be my – like when everyone – when someone says, like, what's the best thing that ever happened with Dylan Brooks in, like, a Grizzlies uniform, I think that's what I'm going to think of. Uh, Better than the Utah series. Yeah, I think so. Because mm. uh, kind of the crass point, like the Warriors and the Grizz, the Warriors can talk all like, you know, looking down at us, all this kind of stuff. Like they hate us more than they hate any other franchise, and it's definitely like a little mini rivalry. Dylan plays a huge factor into that. Um, Draymond had just some of the just dumbest quotes ever, like on that podcast, some true ones as well. Um, but the fact that Dylan came out after that game, after Draymond just like blasted him on his pod and we like one handedly 
and Dylan had like a great game and got all up in Draymond's face. It was just, it was like perfect. Uh, Dylan's after the game quotes, obviously don't have them in front of me, but he was like, uh, keep blogging. Like it was just like ideal stuff. Um, talking about the, uh, your teammates don't need, don't even like you. Dylan responded with, at least I'm not getting in physical altercations with my teammates, which was like one of the best digs I think I've ever heard. Uh, I just loved everything about that. That was like Dylan's shining moment, and I, I appreciate that. And, and if, if I believe – I mean, I I'm, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but I think that was pretty pretty close after the jaw IG stuff. Yeah. Like, I think that was pretty close after we knew we weren't going to have jaw coming back for a while, and, and we needed it. We needed that W for sure that Dylan came in. So, I mean, with that, I would say – for me, um, it's it's between the two dunks. Um, I I look at uh, you know the game five win. Part of me wants to do that, but like I said, because it just the disappointment happened very quickly right after that, so it's hard to like that one. And then honestly, you know the canard and the comeback. If it were just not the Rockets and the Spurs, it would be more exciting to me. Uh, same thing with David Roddy uh, because I do put the Mavericks with the Spurs and the uh, Rockets. Uh, but, uh, but to me, I think, man, I want to say Conchar, but I just love, I love that Jaron block on Embiid and, and Embiid was the MVP of this season and Jared blocked him. And it was to win the game pretty much at the very end, kind of to seal the game as opposed to, even though Conchar's blocks are going to always be special. So I don't know. I, I, it's, it's, it's a bad, it's a weak move to try to give it a tie. So I'm going to go the Jaron block on Embiid. I sort of just looked at this and was like, what's the thing I'm going to look back at this season and kind of remember? It was like, oh, mm. that year that we lost to the Lakers in the playoffs, that's when like we had this really weird white dude who blocked Anthony Davis multiple times. So it's like all these other ones are really awesome. I mean, the Jaron block on Embiid is incredible. I just think that he'll have more, and I will probably won't remember necessarily this season as the Jaron block on Embiid. But that is a really cool story, DPOY against MVP, and Jaron won out. But I just think I'm going to remember those contract blocks. They're kind of etched in my memory. Wow. What a special moment on this podcast. Because <laughs> I, I get to break the tie between three. And uh, I'm going to go Conchar, of course. Yeah, I are. mean, you have to. I think I, I actually tie. That was an incredible pitch for the Dylan moment. And uh, if it was anybody else besides Conchar, I'd be right. I'd be right there with you. I was there for the Jaron block. In the moment, you actually you didn't even realize what had happened until they slowed it down a replay from where we were sitting in the crowd because it just like you just saw the ball all of a sudden change trajectory and then you look at his hand bent back it was unbelievable but I just think like in the moment there's nothing better than that playoff atmosphere and to see a guy like Conchar Block the best player in the series was just so so fun um but and it's neck and neck I will say between the Dylan moment and the John Conchar I will say I bet I bet if I was there live for the Conchar moment that's what I would have picked but I was I was there live for the Jaron moment yeah it was it was absolutely absurd they played the replay about 15 times in a row um, and it was in one of those games that felt like a must win and he just, he just delivered. So, um, yeah. Wow. This has been, uh, I did not expect Conchard to win the favorite moment of the year. Maybe that's indicative of where the season was as a whole. Uh, but overall this has been an important Denny awards. I feel like this is always the snapshot 
of an entire season where we can look back, sum it all up. Um, so thank you for joining us for the fourth annual Denny Awards. If you have any, if there's any we missed, let us know. Email us at grizdenpod at gmail.com. Tweet us at Ty's Burner account at Grizden on Twitter. Um, you know, comment on Instagram. Tell us what we missed. Tell us what you disagreed with. Tell us what you agreed with. Um, and leave a review. Don't forget to subscribe and tell every single one of your friends. Uh, for Kraft, for Brantley, for Ty, I'm Will. We will talk to you next time.